Welcome to That The Hive Podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. On today's episode, we'll talk about how we're staying sane with no sports on TV, we're watching lots of old basketball games, we talk about Adam Morrison saying inflammatory things about his time with the Bobcats, we talk about Michael Jordan's, the upcoming documentary about Michael Jordan, and some other stuff just to fill the time on the show. Let's get started. Everybody, welcome to the At the Hive podcast with no Hornets basketball. Um, this is Jonathan and Zach. As always, Zach, how how are you doing in quarantine life or social distancing life? So, Jonathan, you know this. My, my wife is pregnant, and I did. Uh, uh, yes, we, congratulations! She, thank you so much. Thank you. And she hasn't left the house in a basically <laughs> four weeks now, basically a month. So we're doing great, guys. It's just it's been amazing. <laughs> So so yeah, she's like. A uh, how about how about yourself? Are you guys are you guys holding up? Yeah. So well, I, I say quarantine, and everybody says quarantine, but I feel like that's kind of a misnomer yeah. because everybody's still allowed to like come and go as they please. Um, they're just supposed to stay away from other people as much as possible. Um, so it's basically just like my old normal life anyway, because I stay home a lot of the time anyway. I'm just missing like playing basketball and lifting weights and stuff. But other than that, my life hasn't changed a whole lot. Other than oh, I can't so, watch sports and, and on the TV. Listeners, the listeners are definitely going to want to know, have you set up a home gym? What is your weight <laughs> situation like at home? Okay, so I have very limited equipment here. I have a pair of 25-pound dumbbells, two resistance bands of varying like resistance, uh, and a pull-up bar for your, like that goes on the door. And so I have to get really creative to like get good exercises like using the bands and like putting a dumbbell behind the bedroom door with a band around it and running the dumb like the band under the door or like oh i like it uh using the the pull-up bar as like a bench press bar with a band under like two bands around me like both bands on the bar to like give sure, it, so it yeah. a nice chest chest stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's um i think i'm doing all right uh really it's really like a a good mental game like it's like a puzzle with like how can i mimic these movements that i want to like that i do at the gym with no actual weight like how can i make them still difficult you know with very limited it's tools about, it's all about high reps my friend all about high <laughs> reps high intensity training yeah, just, it's all yeah, about it, that yeah it's yeah it's just you know doing um i do miss playing basketball though so i invested in 2k i know you wanted to talk about the 2k tournament which was part of that uh what's what spurred me to get it and boy the worst. is that it was the worst idea i've you ever didn't like it of. absolutely it was the most boring thing in the world to watch it's two people not talk to each other while they play a video game that's i mean you play do you play video games online at all I've I've dabbled certainly during yeah. quarantine times. I'm a little, <laughs> a little bit of Call of Duty here and there with my nephew. Yeah, so that's usually how playing video games with people is. 
Um, it's it's fun for the people playing. It's not as fun to watch. Which is my point exactly. Yeah. They're like, Devin Booker seems really good at video games, is what I found out. Too bad he can't <laughs> take his team to the playoffs, you know? Yeah, not, not, yeah. <laughs> he takes his team to the championship in uh, 2K basketball. I did, I he didn't, didn't choose the Suns, which is hilarious. Yeah, I was going to say something about that. I thought it was funny, interesting, like, that they don't play for. Um, and I think I was watching, I think it was Zach Levine and whoever he played in the first round. Um, and he was like, like he's shooting a three with Myers Leonard and the guy said something. He's like, Myers, Myers could shoot it. And it's just weird. Like hearing them talk about these people that they like actually play against, but talking about their video game representations and stuff. Yeah. The 2k tournament didn't excite me. I, I realize they're trying to get creative with content. I don't know where in the process they are with this horse tournament. You've heard about the horse it's on tonight, right? Or yet yeah, last night from the time you listen, it's, it's on Sunday night. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll be tuning in to see that, to see if it'll be creative at all. They've tried it in the past in, like, All-Star Weekends before, yeah. and it wasn't that entertaining. But I'm I'm jonesing. I'm in a basketball <laughs> jones right now. So I've been watching um, old games. I know you've been watching old har- hardwood classics. I watched the 60-point LeBron game against the Bobcats last night. Wait, that was on TV? Uh, no, no, it was on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> um, turns out those Bobcats teams not very good. No, not very good. Not. The NBA. Um, do you know what's on? By the way, just real quick. Do you know what's speaking of star for content? Do you know what's on ESPN right now as at the time of this recording? What's that? The 2004 National Spelling Bee Cornhole Tournament. The the, the 2004 oh, two, Spelling the, Bee. The 2004. <laughs> oh, that was a legendary Spelling Bee. Oh I yeah, how could like, you forget PDs? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been I have not watched old Bobcats games. Um I've watched like right now on my TV is the Suns and Lakers from 2011. Um like the Suns with Steve Nash and Grant Hill and Boris Diaw. At um Oh man, that that was a great Suns team. Yeah. Um And I think that that is that the game the Western Conference and then it's uh, a regular season I think game, so Steve Nash gets th- yeah, Steve Nash gets thrown out the the series before that. The spur they play the Spurs and Steve Nash gets thrown out um, because there's an altercation on the court and the players leave the bench and they yeah. like kick them out for a game and that's why the Suns lose. Oh man, <laughs> um, I've watched. I used to love the Suns teams. They're very fun Suns teams and they're also very like they're like a few years ahead of their time. Um, not a ton, not like super far ahead of their time, but a little bit, um, which reminds me. I, I told you over text, I've watched several basketball games from like the 90s when they're on MPA TV, and it is not the same sport that we watch uh, in the year 2020. You're a trooper for doing it, too, because they're in standard definition, and it's hard <laughs> to watch standard definition nowadays. Standard definition, the word standard in standard definition is very kind. It's, it's substandard <laughs> for sure. <laughs> It's you cannot see like you can't like see the numbers on their jerseys and stuff. You just kind of have to know like who is who, and none of them and none of the players in the '90s like accessorized really, other than maybe like the occasional wristband or something. So it's, they all kind of look the same, or they're just of varying sizes. But but basketball, the the sport itself, Alex, fine. What? What'd you say? Allen Iverson accessorized oh, yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I was. Gonna- gonna ask Fuck you what did you what did what pointed out to you about the gameplay 
on the court. So, in general, I have, I have a long list of things. I'll try to keep it somewhat truncated. Uh, in general, you can see that the the strategy, so to speak, is based on feel more than like an analytical approach that's used today. Like, for example, the closer you are to the basket, the better of a shot it is. It doesn't matter if you're shooting an 18 footer instead of a 23 footer that's worth one more point. You know what I mean? Like the the 18 footer is a better shot because you're closer. Sure. And then layups, you don't want to let the other team attempt layups because they're close to the basket, even if they're heavily contested. So, like, I'm watching games, and they're just, like, fouling each other every time they get close to the basket. Like, don't let them get any easy layups. Like, or just make them shoot it. Like, they'll probably miss. Um, so, they're, it, it's, it's very – it's much more reckless. Like, there's a lot more fouls. There are a lot more turnovers. The, and the turnovers that they have are very, like, throwing the ball straight to the hands of a defender and or, like, dropping the ball out of bounds on an uncontested pass just because they're not paying it – like, they're not focusing on catching the ball. Like, there's a lot more of that. Um, and the last thing, the talent, the discrepancy in talent from the top of the rosters to like the guys that are like coming off the bench and stuff is astronomical compared to today. Like, like you're watching like the Miller is good and like Mark Jackson's pretty good and Chris Mullen can shoot. And then it's like guys like further down the roster. It's like, I don't think they wouldn't even be in the NBA right now. And they're like the sixth man. Sure, and I think there were more specialists back exactly, then. Like, yeah. So you, you you had rebounders, you had uh, people who were good, defensive minded, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So who good at stuff, and that's all they did. They didn't have to score points or spread the court or anything like that. That's all they did. Now let me ask you this, Jonathan, and this is how I feel about '90s basketball. I'm going to defend '90s basketball a little bit. <laughs> okay. What we don't have today that they had in the '90s. What were individual teams? Teams had strategies, different strategies. So Houston yeah. had the the two towers. Um, the Blazers played a certain way. The Chicago Wolves played a certain way, and everybody kind of had a different way of going about playing basketball. So you took you know differing mindsets, and they they fought to see who would win. I like that better than knowing the stats, knowing the the strategies that that are going to give you the highest percentage shots everybody's trying to stretch the court you either go in for a layup or you try to shoot a three that's what everybody is doing now and the stats show you that's what you should do but i think it makes for a makes for a more interesting game if there are different ways of going about winning the game yeah i I get that yeah we're like it's the game's a lot more like homogenous i guess from team to team because everybody right. now knows, like, this is the optimal strategy. Um, so everybody's doing the same thing. Um, like, to With your that point being about, said, I, I would take today's basketball over today's basketball <laughs> yes. every day. <laughs> to, your, to your point of, like, the specialists, it's so funny because there are, like, at any given moment on the court, there are, like, one to two players who are even, like, allowed to or And then, like, maybe three players are allowed to shoot the ball outside of the paint. and stuff like that like there there's there are players on the court who like like the centers especially like they don't shoot they don't dribble they just like set picks and just kind of get in the way of the other team they're just there's big they're like offensive linemen playing basketball sure and there was a lot of a lot of iso ball back then where it's like all right we have one great offensive player and we're gonna have him score every time and vice versa 
what you thought was good defense back then was one player shutting down that offensive player versus kind of a team-minded defense. You know, that's a general statement. Yeah, Shout yeah. Out to the Detroit, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's very – yeah, there's very little, like – there's no defensive scheming, so to speak. Like, it's like guard your guy, and if you're guy – if you need help, like, help the guy that needs help. But there's no, like, weak side when the ball is on the – one end of the one side of the court and this is how you like do different pick and roll coverages and stuff and so like the stuff that would not like pick and rolls were like killing teams because they had they were just kind of like i just try to figure it out as best you can when they do it and stuff like that because they hadn't evolved like defensive schemes hadn't evolved it was like you said uh good defenders are guys that just stop the guy one-on-one because a lot of offense is one-on-one it's just like, oh, Jordan wants in the post, so all four of the other teammates go to the other side of the court, and he just goes one-on-one with his guy with no help. Which is why when they had success with those pick-and-roll schemes like John Stockton, Carl Malone, that kind of stuff, it worked almost every yeah. <laughs> time to do that kind of high pick-and-roll. The the Spurs ate up in the early 2000s because they were just running that high pick-and-roll and it's hard to solve that when you're playing that man-on-man kind of type of defense. Yeah, when they're not. Yeah, when there's not like a zone defense. But oh, you got to tag the the guy that's playing up high on the weak side's got to tag the roll man as he crosses the free throw line. Like they weren't doing that in the '90s. They're just like, hey, this is my guy's yeah. over here. I don't care about what's going on over there. Not uh, to mention, like the the training was totally different they weren't mm-hmm. really eating well back then there wasn't a sleep <laughs> regimen during this you know during the off season people were like smoking cigars and drinking and all that type of stuff honestly yeah. god let's go back to that let's do it <laughs> training- let's, i want to see a fat lebron you know <laughs> that's like yeah like like players now it's like all right i'm gonna take about two weeks off go, to rest and recover and then i'm gonna get back to training for next season um back then it was like i'm going to take the entire summer and do absolutely nothing physically demanding and i'll get back in shape during training camp and or also during the season during the beginning yeah, of the season <laughs> yeah and also even like growing up like kids are so sports specific that like the the drills that people do now for basketball are so um what's the word i'm looking for like specific to like game situations and stuff that like the the right the depth of bag of tricks that people have now and counters to them are so much deeper than they used to be because it was a lot more it was a lot simpler like like simple crossovers and simple moves to get open and and stuff like that where now guys are doing these like all right this is your dribble move this is your go-to move and then if they count if they if you see the defender commit to this side you're going to counter with this move and then you know it's very like they there's a big hierarchy of of skills that players build off one another as opposed to like go to the gym and shoot 500 jump shots and then run some wind sprints and call it a day. Yeah, and I mean, the bag of tricks that you're talking about was filled during the 80s and 90s. They were creating (laughs) the bag of tricks during then. Yeah. So the reason that you have an alternative move is because you saw um, BJ Armstrong do that alternative move or something like that. They were the ones creating the moves, and that's why we have the bag of tricks tricks to teach the kids now exactly like alan iverson does something that nobody's ever done before and now every player takes like oh that's a good idea let me add that to something i could try to do and then like you said and then like jordan does something and then kobe does something and then everybody adds those it's like oh that's a good idea we should add it like all the stuff that james harden does now that every that's really annoying is going to be come a lot more prominent i think in the future of player like with and we're already starting to see it with like the the step back threes and 
creating shots from three off the dribble and stuff that we didn't really see a whole lot before James Harden did. Yeah, and and speaking about watching previous games, I was watching a game during the the shutdown season, the the coronavirus season, the Lakers and Clippers. Uh-huh. And I, I told you I watched the sixty-point game with LeBron against the yeah. Bobcats when he was complete uh, with when he was with the Heat. I you cannot. I hope that we are taking the time to appreciate LeBron James right now because <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, we are experiencing something that not a lot of people in NBA history is, are we're going to be able to experience. LeBron James is great. And even at, at this age, he's he's second in MVP voting. You know, may, maybe he should be first because he brought a team that had a really bad uh, losing record. And I think they've lost 14 games when they shut down the season. So, yeah, Anthony Davis James, helps with that, but yes. Yeah, I agree, but Anthony Davis was not winning <laughs> games in uh, New Orleans no, without right. him. No, he's leading the league in assists. But anyway, he's averaging 26, 11, and yeah. 8. As a 35-year-old. Just so, yes. understands he has court vision. He has court vision like someone who doesn't have his athleticism would need to have court vision to be an NBA player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't have to do all the studying, all the work, all the film work. I'm sure he does. You know, He doesn't have to have the NBA mind probably to be dominant, but he has the NBA mind and the NBA body, which is, you know, I'm the first person to say something like that for sure. <laughs> for headline. Sure. Headline Zach. is that LeBron James is good. Yeah, take, you won't believe what Zach said on this podcast. He said LeBron James is actually good at basketball. <laughs> but no, there is he's like smoking you said, hot take. <laughs> no, if, if LeBron James did not have any of like the basketball IQ that he does, he would still be like an all-star player. Um just from like you said, the physical dominance and stuff, but the, the court vision and the way he manipulates the game is uh pretty much unmatched. For most of NBA history, probably, except for maybe a few people, you could argue. Um, even if he is not everybody's favorite, like persona and stuff, both on and off the court, he is. I think, which I think kind of blinds people to how good of a player he is, because the whining on the court and that some of not the antics, because he's a very good person, but he could be a little bit of a cringy kind of person off the court. I think when you're an iconic class like that, everybody has a take on you. Yeah. Good, bad. The, the, you know, um, I think it was Kanye West who said, uh, everybody's got an opinion. And when somebody doesn't have an opinion, that's when you're losing it. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter if they like you or hate you. It's, it matters that they like you or hate you. People don't vote. Um, People so, don't do nobodies. Yeah. Someone who is exactly like that. Is also the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, one Michael <laughs> yes. Jordan. Yes, who, he was. He uh, was like ESPN. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just say he was. He, he was LeBron. He was the, the before LeBron, kind of before LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Some would say LeBron is the Michael Jordan of this era. If you want to switch it around, yeah. But ESPN is releasing a documentary called The Last Dance. Um, about Michael Jordan, specifically about that last title run. Um, originally, it was going to run in the summer, and they've moved it up to April because we're all stuck in our houses and we need something to stare at on our screens. I mean, this pretty I much am... is the summer now because, like, they did in the summer because there are no sports other than the baseball's, like, grind. Now there are just no sports at all, so they're like, oh, we got to get this out there because people need something to watch and talk about. Yeah, but what are we going to do in June, though? Hopefully there'll um, be sports again. 
man, knock on all the wood in the world. I know. That's, um, that's the hope. Yeah. So talk to me, Jonathan. Talk to me about your impressions of Michael Jordan, maybe even before you became the massive manager of a huge <laughs> Charlotte Hornets website. Like, were you, do you have childhood memories of Michael Jordan? What's your, what's your experience with him? So I was born in 1991. Um, so my memories of Michael Jordan are very, very vague. I do have memories of Michael Jordan. Like I remember, um, like, I remember the jazz, like the series against the Jazz, like that kind of era. And I remember vaguely, like the occasional Bulls games and stuff. I was too young to have like an actual opinion on him. I just remember having, like, seeing him on my TV. That makes sense. Gotcha. So I was born in in 1986, and I have not only do I have memories of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is why I love basketball. Um, I think so that's my... a lot of people have that a similar story. Yeah, uh, and it was a you know half fact, half fiction kind of mythic person. Yeah, who like you know could literally fly almost. Like uh, my mom, I remember this like it was yesterday. I wrote a letter to Michael Jordan, and the uh, Chicago Bulls kind of sent me a letter back with a bunch of stickers and that kind of stuff. That's cool. My mom got me. Yeah, my mom got me the album of their arena music. So like. <laughs> The, I didn't know that was the intro stuff, yeah, which, yeah, and I mean, I would play it all the time. They would play dance to the music, dance. dance. Yeah. I mean, I would just yeah, let's do it all the time. And I would read books about Michael Jordan. I remember specifically there's a story about how he couldn't be home during Halloween, so he like had paid someone to give out candy for him because he wasn't at Halloween. I just thought he was the greatest guy ever. So. Take that kind of childhood fascination with him, the the origins of me loving basketball and all that type of stuff. Going into an adult, understanding his relationship with his father, um, his father's death, the the gambling rumors, the the tryouts of, of baseball, the marketing with his with his shoe company, and then him buying the franchise in Charlotte. Michael Jordan has kind of been the underpinning of my me watching NBA basically all my life. So yeah. he has an outside presence in my life, and I'm so excited to watch this documentary um, so that hopefully people like you, born in 1991, who has an impression of Jordan kind of as a man, as a, a public personality, can see him as a as a player, although I know you've seen him play kind of. Yeah, but like there's the games after they've happened. Yeah, but there's more like with the context of it because like right now watching, like watching a basketball game from 1998, just like picked up out of that year and dropped into right now, means nothing to me. Like watching the uh the Bulls and the Pacers game was the playoffs, but like watching a regular season game like where the Bulls play the Magic in like 1994 or whatever, like I there I have no, I have no what's the word I'm looking for. Like I have no investment in that game. I don't know the lead up to it. I don't know what the like what kind of this the stage that that game was played on. Historical um, context. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if I watch like Shaq and Michael Jordan go back and forth and they win the Bulls win, it's like, wow, Michael Jordan was good at basketball. But there's no like this is the perception around the teams going into the game. This is how the season was trying to go. It's kind of like 
I'm writing those rewinds a couple times a week from Hornets games mm-hmm. earlier this season. And like half of it is this is what the expectations were going into the game. This is how the this is what people's mindset was before this game. And this is how this game changed it. When you just watch them on TV, you don't get that. And I think that's what's cool about the documentary is like Michael Jordan, not just the player, but also the public figure and how he was like his how he just basically created an entire uh, era of fans or generation of fans. Yeah, and his influence not only on those fans, but also the people around him during the time. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've seen the trailers for the documentary, and obviously all documentaries kind of do this. They're going to interview the people who are really close to him, and then they're yeah. going to interview the people who are kind of on the outskirts, and then they're going to interview, especially with Michael Jordan, the reverberations in the culture and the, you know, people who never met him or weren't even really connected to him, how they were influenced by it. Yeah, like like it, people it, like I'm you. I'm so excited for this type of sports content. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I wrote him a letter. We have a very personal relationship, Michael Jordan and I, although he may not know my name. Yes, but yeah, and it, he just he smoked stogies the entire time. By the way, just and, and Phil Jackson inside the locker room smoking a stogie. You know, just like where are the nutritionists? Do they only show up after like 1999? Where are they? I, at? Apparently not, because I have something I want to talk about. Speaking of smoking basketball players, but we're gonna take a break real quick, and then we will we'll finish that the last part of the show right after that. See you guys on the other side. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome past. I kind of cut us off in the middle of our talk about the Jordan documentary, but we are going to talk about it on the podcast. Got to pay episodes. the bills. Got to pay yeah. the bills, Jonathan. No. There's, there are no sports to talk about. Um, and while other shows are talking about Tiger King and things like that, we'll talk about basketball, basketball documentary. So I got no basketballs in the Tiger King documentary. <laughs> there, sure. Not a single so, basketball yeah, reference. What we're going to try to do. What we're going to try to do going forward is publish a podcast about the episode of The Last Dance that comes out. So when they release the episode, we'll record a podcast and kind of talk about it, talk about our feelings about it, maybe even have some other at the Hivers come in and see if they've been watching it, that kind of stuff. So as we move forward without sports, we're going to try to give you content that is related to basketball, and maybe we'll talk about the Tiger King. I did talk. I did talk about. I talked about Tiger King podcast. If there's any other, I don't know if there's any crossover listeners, but yeah, that was that was fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> you're talking about uh, smoking stogies all the time in the, the '90s era with like Michael Jordan yeah. and Bill Jackson and them, and it reminded me of one of our old friends from the Bobcats, Adam Morrison, who old Adam, Adam. <laughs> good everybody's favorite. Um, no like official like we don't know for sure that he was a, a cigarette smoker but people like the article i just pulled up during the break talked about when he was playing over in china and you alluded to this when we were talking that he would go out and smoke cigarettes with people 
Um, he was on a podcast the other day, and I can't remember the podcast, and I should probably find it so they get their credit. Um, and they talk, talk to um out like his whole career from Gonzaga to the NBA for the Bobcats. And then I stopped listening after that. I just wanted to listen to the Bobcats part. So I just kind of fast forwarded to it. Um, what I thought was interesting was talked about Larry Brown and you were a fan during the Larry Brown days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watched Adam Morrison's team. Larry Brown's a very interesting coach and he has a, a very close relationship with Michael Jordan. Yeah, so seems, he seems like a like a someone who drives a hard. He's a hard coach to be a player under if you don't like that kind of stern way of getting talked to. Yeah, so he was it was rejecting the screen is the podcast with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. Don't know if I said either of those names right, but they're the ones that interviewed him, and it was it was cool, and I appreciate and I respect Adam Morrison for not doing the canned like PR answers that everybody always gives. Um, when they're asked about like a trying time in their career where they're like, this didn't work out. I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. It was nobody's fault. And he didn't blame anybody, but he was very honest about the situation. And it was basically, and this probably will mirror what a lot of fans thought of Larry Brown at the time, where like he came in and he ran them for like two days and they just practiced. Like when Larry Brown got hired as a coach, Adam Morrison's agent told him like, this isn't good. And Adam Morrison's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, you know, he's, it's, it's not going to be good. And Adam Morrison's like, oh, we're going to work hard. It's whatever. And then it was like two-a-day practices, and he would grind them down. And, mm-hmm. uh, it like, players were, like, worn out, like, during training camp. And they would have, like, full practices before, like, summer league games. Like, full full-court practices and stuff like that. And he said stuff like Larry Brown would do things, like, openly – uh, complain about the roster to the front office, like in front of the players that he was complaining about. Like he'd be like, "Oh, we need a new center. We're not strong enough at center. Uh, we need to trade this guy. Uh, like this is where we're weak. This is what we need." In front of like the players who are filling those spots. Like imagine being like the starting center. I don't remember who it was at the time off Ahmed, and hearing your coach be like, "We are weak at center. Try go out and get us a center, please." And like, how would you play hard for that guy? You know, some people, I mean, Larry Brown has had success, not only yeah. in the NBA, but also in the NCAA. And some people, um, Jimmy uh, Buckets. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's with the Miami Heat, right? Yeah, Butler. Yeah. He loved the tough coach. He he hates yeah. weak coaches. Um, now, that doesn't go so far as to say, hey, I hate this player. Ship him out right in front of him. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you could see, especially with that that mindset of like, oh, that's going to motivate them to play better because they don't want to get cut or something like that. That's not, not how I would think. But, no. I think, you know. I think you're le- you, there are players that respond well to that. I would think it's harder to find those players that respond well to that. Like, you have to be very lucky to have a roster that everybody buys into that style of coaching, especially now. And even in that time with Adam, when Adam Morrison was on the team, like that probably works better in the eighties and nineties and stuff with, you know, when machismo was the, like every, you know, the, the big theme of sports and now everybody's more in touch with emotions and feelings and, and stuff like that. 
I don't think it goes over so well in this millennium. Well, all right. So that's what I was going to say is that it's a generational thing. It's yeah. You know, I think that there was, I think that this generation doesn't respond well to um, threats or to (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah. Like compromising you as a person versus trying to motivate you in other ways. You know, Larry Brown is definitely not a coach for this no. generation. That's for sure. And Adam Morrison, to his credit, he's um, like he's he a great coach. A coach for the Bobcats either. Yeah. <laughs> and Morrison's like he's a great head coach. I understand he's accomplished a lot, but he was. And he never said he was a bad coach or he was not like do. He didn't do a good job. He was like he was very difficult to play for, especially in his situation where he was coming off. I think he was coming off an injury. And a young player and Larry Brown is not the type of player to play or not the type of coach to uh, let the young guys go out there and learn from their mistakes. So the centers for that team, he, he was right to try to, try to trade them. <laughs> um, Tyrus Thomas. Okay. Theo Ratliff. Uh-huh. Uh, Nasir Muhammad. Remember Nasir? I, uh-huh. Of course I do. No, <laughs> Diop. Now, now Tyson Chandler was on there, but remember, Tyson Chandler did not have a good Bobcats career. I, he had uh, great success in in Dallas, but he did not have a great Bobcats career. All right, it's Tyson Chandler uh, that you're thinking about. Or is that's Tyson what I'm saying. Chandler? Oh, you said Tyrus Thomas. Yeah. No, Tyrus Thomas and Tyson Chandler were okay. both on that team. Okay. I yeah, yeah, and Tyson Chandler is the one that went to the Mavs. Yeah. Yeah, he and was then good. Then Alexis who was supposed to be, um, you know, this this foreign-born player who's seven foot two, and it just never worked out for him. Um, not to mention, shout out to the fat Boris DL, also <laughs> on that team. <laughs> what what year are you looking at? Uh, uh, oh nine. Okay, like the oh eight oh nine season. Uh, oh nine oh ten or oh nine ten. ten. Yeah. Oh nine ten is that how you supposed to say it? Oh nine ten. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So oh yeah. eight oh nine season. Now that we're just looking at old Bobcats, right? let's do it. Let's start. Uh, we had. We also had a Mecca Okafor. Um. In yes, last he had left by. Yeah, he yeah. left by nine ten. And then Nazar Muhammad, Ryan Hollins, and Ghana Jop. Ghana Jop is still one of the all time moments in Bobcats history for me. How's that? The free throw. Oh man. I was watching that game live. I will. I one of one of the moments I will never forget watching live. Not like I wasn't there, but like watching that game on my couch at my parents' house. Just like, oh boy, he shot that free throw eight feet. And then, and Adam Morrison is a, is a specific. We need to do this, especially now that we have time. Go through the draft years and just shake our heads with the decisions <laughs> that get made, the players that are chosen by this, you know, great basketball player, this legend, Michael Jordan, um, because we know he has a lot of say in that that front office. Like, why are you making these decisions? Why did you choose six tall white guys um, <laughs> in the top ten of all of all these drafts? I just, I need to talk to him. We need to sit down and have a talk. And then we'll make a great podcasting for sure. <laughs> yeah. I will say Adam Morrison. Yeah, I'm I think gonna say, I'm going to write him another letter. <laughs> hey, you remember me? You might remember me from the letter I wrote you back in 1990. <laughs> 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 what, what I think people what gets lost with Adam Morrison. Um, not that he was a, not going to argue that he was the right pick and they, it wasn't their fault that he was bad. Um, 
was a victim of circumstance to an extent. Like he had a good like his rookie season was was not bad. Like, he averaged twelve points a game. He shot thirty four percent from three. Like he wasn't great, but it's like oh, there's something to build off here. Um, and then he tore his ACL, and then there was like so I do wonder what would happen if he fell, you know, if he went into a different situation, you know? I don't think it would have worked. I mean, he did, he went to other teams and wasn't good on other teams. Remember, he has a ring from that Lakers <laughs> two. team. He has two rings. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> no, but I, I did, where did he, where did he get picked? Third. Um, the third, third pick. Yeah. I mean, we just missed like out on Michael Jordan. Missed out on Brandon Roy, which I mean, like, what did he ever do? Um, uh, by the way, Adam Morrison said Brandon, Brandon Roy, Roy was would... good before the operation in uh, in Portland. He was good before the no, operation. No, he was very good. No, yeah, I don't think Brandon Roy would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't get hurt. Um, which is very high praise. It would be, you know, it's hard to say stuff like, yeah, it's hard to say stuff like that, but. We ended up getting Tyrus Thomas, which is fun. Yeah, let's no, see. Rudy Gay, I would have you... rather had Rudy Gay. J.J. Redick, I would have taken J.J. Redick at three during that draft. Should we just yeah. start naming players? Rayton Rondo <laughs> was in that draft. Kyle I Lowry. <laughs> I know. But, but uh, no, not that, like I said, I'm not argue, like defending the pick or saying it was a good pick, but I do think, um, you know, like if he hurt and if he doesn't, come back from an injury with the, the the story that we talked about with the the coaching style that he gets and he also I forgot to mention this he limited the lack of veteran leadership on the team when he first came here he's like there's nobody to like teach me how to be an NBA player on the roster I don't that's what you're really looking for in a leader is to try to find someone else to lead you that's when, <laughs> you know pick, I'm sure that when Michael Jordan came on um, the, when he right when he walked into the court, he was like, "Hmm, who else should be the alpha <laughs> in this room?" You know? Oh yeah, um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, look, don't get me wrong, and I'd like to add Adam Morrison to the Jonathan DeLong like like team of misfits. <laughs> It'll be Adam Morrison at point guard because I, I don't. No, I'm sorry, at small forward, and then we'll have Nicholas Batum playing shooting guard. It's gonna be. I can't wait. <laughs> to build out this team. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, like I said, I will not argue that he was a good pick and that he would have been good. It's just I do think he kind of, there was some misfortune combined with the Do you think it had pick. something to do with those jerseys? <laughs> yes, I do. All right. So that was my question I was going to ask you. Um are there any Bobcats jerseys that come ahead of any Hornets jerseys in your rankings? Uh you'll have to wait to find out, sir. There are. I'm. I'm. We're getting down to some of the last Bobcat jerseys, <laughs> and that's why I'm, I'm making a choice between one Hornets jersey and one Bobcat jersey, and we will find out in the next three picks. Okay, uh, so we're what almost, jersey comes first? We are almost there. Okay, because I, 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 I wanted to know because uh, so far it's been all Bobcats, and there is a Hornets jersey that has not made the list yet that I think deserves to be very far down in the rankings. Oh, I, I can't wait to see which one you're talking about, but it hasn't been all Bobcats jerseys. I got to oh, correct you. You're uh, right. The Cougars throwback. Yeah, the, <laughs> Cougars, the Cougars, Cougars throwback. throwback. I, got, I yeah. lumped it in with the Bobcats because it was worn during the Bobcats. I think it was during that 2011-12 season when they, lost, when they lost 
more games than any other team, or when they have the worst record in NBA history. Yes. Can you believe yeah. Corey McGetty was the best player on that team? What about my worst jersey? The, um, it's, the, it's, yeah, the, the Corey the McGetty race, whole story is interesting. <laughs> the, the, racing, the, the racing checkers with the pinstripes, I, I can't argue with the uh, making that the worst. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me there's wrong. One thing I know I'm about not style. on like Project Runway or anything. Yeah, exactly. There's one thing I know about style is don't, you don't mix, mix patterns. patterns. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the the pinstripes with the checkers, an inter- interesting decision. Like you have that came that comes. I'm not gonna spoil it, but the other when when you don't have the pinstripes, it's not a bad look. It helps out. It helps out. It it makes a difference. And I like those pinstriped uniforms without the racing stripes. Huh. It was just they, the, they should be coming um, on this list pretty soon. Yeah, I guess saying he's you're almost out of podcast <laughs> jerseys to criticize. <laughs> do you think last thing before we before we wrap up, um, do you think the Bobcats branding would be less frowned up two twofold if they didn't name the team Bob? Or and and if they were not compared to the Hornets, who have one of the best branding like color schemes in sports, like if it if you take away one of those two things, do you think the Bobcats branding is that bad? Well, all right. So if you when you call it Bobcats branding, you're using the name. If you yeah, change so, the name, yeah. yeah so if like, you change the name, you make it less worse. However, <laughs> you are you're right. You're going up against. You know, maybe the most legendary colors and and uniforms in NBA history. You know, people love that. Even if they're not Hornets fans, they love the jerseys. But they were considering, and I talked about this on the first piece, they were considering the Charlotte Flight. Charlotte Flight would have been really cool, especially if they used, you know, the colors of North Carolina. And then eventually uh, Air Jordan buys the Charlotte Flight. It really could have worked out well, branding-wise. Um, but the but Charlotte Bobcats were just, it was just never going to work out. The Bobcats, is, it's not a, you're not scared of a Bobcat, <laughs> more of a nuisance than it is a predator, you know. It's a very it college sounding. Bobcats were not a great name. It's a very, yeah. So, but yeah, so the thing was like, if the owner's name wasn't Bob Johnson and they were the Bobcats, it's probably not as bad. Or if they're oh, the you're Bobcats. saying, you're yeah. saying they're still the Bobcats, but the, the owner's name isn't Bob? Yeah. Still not good. Still not, not good. good. Okay. Still don't like it. <laughs> I don't think yeah, it's as bad like. though. I don't think it's as bad. Yeah. And then also, like I said, if you're coming off of like if you're coming from, I don't know, like the Grizzlies or something, where it's not as an iconic of a brand, I think it doesn't get. It looks at a little more favorably or less poorly. But you take the Hornets, who have, like you said, great branding, and then you bring the team back to the city, a city that's starved to get their team back, and you give them a team name that was not even voted for by the. You have a vote for the fans. And they're like, I like this name, and you like yourself instead. And well, that's like that's the lesson number one on how to not get fans to buy into your team. One hundred percent. And you take that Bobcats name, and then you put colors and um, shapes that are associated with racing in the Bobcats <laughs> name, which makes yeah. no sense at all. You know, and NASCAR yeah. people. You know the Venn diagram of NASCAR fans <laughs> and basketball fans. It's not very big. No, you know? it's not. They don't overlap very well. And I don't think like getting any of if you want to draw draw in 
like NASCAR fans, like having a Bobcats logo that looks like a, a he's moving fast, like a race car. Like that's not going to be the thing that gets a NASCAR fan to join the bandwagon for the Bobcats. Like I, I really didn't is... care about this basketball team, but you see that logo looks like he's moving fast, like a race car. Now I'm all in. Now, now I'm there. Yeah. Nor is I also hated the alternative logo of the ca- half cat face, half basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of like hybrid, like I, I was created in a lab and I, I need to die <laughs> because I'm, I'm in pain right now. And uh, the Mavericks kind of have it with their horse alternative logo. Uh, didn't not not good, man. Wasn't a good choice. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Bobcats. You know it's coming back as like a. Uh, ironic hipster thing very soon, but uh, I don't want it to come back. I, no I do Give me the Charlotte Crunk. <laughs> I do occasionally uh, when I go play basketball, like when I go play pickup basketball and stuff, I'll wear like a Bobcats t-shirt or something for the, you, you know, would. <laughs> to be the, to be the ironic hipster guy. But yeah, um, and so I, that was my question for you about the branding. Cause yeah, the, they did a really bad job with that. It'd be like, cause you know, we're going to MLS team in 2021. Don't know if you heard about that. Um, oh, I have. Is it, is it still happening in 21? <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah. well, the team will be here in 2021. Whether or not the, the league is back, sports are back by then is a whole other question. Um, have they decided on a name for it? No, but that's what I was saying. They've had, they did an Instagram, like, you know, like the Instagram questionnaire thing. And they said, give us name suggestions and they and stuff like that like they've been reaching out to the community and asking for name ideas and like which of these like rank they i think they put a thing out to like people that uh put a deposit for season tickets and they're like rank these names and all that stuff it'd be like they did all this stuff and then they're like we're just gonna call ourselves the charlotte teppers (laughs) that's exactly right and it's like well never mind i don't like this anymore but anyway, anything else you got to talk about before we get off? Uh, before we get off the show. Um. Yes, I've got one more thing because more I thing. need you to make a prediction. Uh-huh. Um. We of course have the uh, NBA horse competition mm-hmm. going, and I yeah. wanted to know who you thought was going to win that horse competition. Let me see. I got to pull up the list real quick. Uh, yeah, Trey Chris Paul, Zach Levine, Mike Conley, Paul Pierce, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Um, name, name, name them out loud for the listeners. Who's competing? Trey Young, Chris Paul, Zach Levine, Mike Conley from the NBA, uh, Paul Pierce and Chauncey Billups that used to play in the NBA, and then Allie Quigley and Tamika Catchings, who – well, Allie Quigley's in the WNBA, and Tamika Catchings is a former WNBA player. Um, I'm going to go with Zach Levine. Okay. He seems right. like that's an int- he should just dunk from the free throw line every time, and he wins okay. for sure. But, <laughs> but for got, real, he, he seems like he's got great like natural touch, and I think he's good at trick shots. Fair enough, but see, this is about creativity. This is about being able to hit shots you've never tried before, maybe in places on the court or even off the court that you're not prepared for. And she's been talking a lot of smack on social media, and I'm going with Allie Quigley of the Chicago Sky. All right. Um, she's a WNBA All-Star. Uh, these ladies have to work on their shots. A lot of it's a big part of the WNBA game, mm-hmm. and uh, I think she's going to back up that smack talk. Let's see it happen. I'm, and I'm excited. Let's for see it. some entertaining basketball happen. 
I might. I'm gonna. I'll put it on the TV. I'll watch it tonight, or I last whatever. I watched it last night. I promise. Um, the only <laughs> other, <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to, to talk about. Um, Donovan Mitchell. He tweeted the other day. He was like, "I just got. I've been. I started playing video games at 6:30, and I'm just now getting done. It's three o'clock in the morning." And he, it was funny because he tweeted that, and and that same amount of time I spent playing video games on Saturday, Friday. You guys, this is that's not good. This is not good for the country. <laughs> not good for you guys personally. This is not good. I, I, I might no. Maybe I was long. Yeah, I got on at like five o'clock to play Warzone. I got done about seven. I hopped over to two K and I played two K. Um, for a couple hours, and then I ate dinner and got back on 2K until about 10 when my friends got back on to play Warzone. I played some more Warzone until about 12, and then I played 2K till 3. That was my entire Friday evening and night. So yeah, quarantine, the, the social distancing life is treating me great. <laughs> <laughs> well, alright, so I have to ask one question about Warzone and we don't have to do this anymore. Are you a plunder uh-huh. person or a battle royal person? Battle Royale. I haven't played a single round of Plunder yet. Oh, you should play Plunder. That's what I play. That's awesome. I I've, I probably will at some point. Um, you got any dubs? You got any Ws? Uh, we had one. We went. We came in first once. Nice. We had like it's one point one point four million dollars or something like that. Not that we should talk about this. <laughs> no, it's people. People care. We have we have I have three Battle Royale wins. Um and I guess it's good because it gets it does get the heart rate up. It really does. <laughs> I get like, really nervous on those games. <laughs> yes. When you're down to like you're like down to the last like ten people are alive, like I can like when we win, like actually I can like feel my heart beating. Like I can feel my like pulse when it's done. Like why this is a game. Like chill, chill man. Not that serious. But it's not good. It's not good for any of us. Your your fight or flight, uh, you know, stuff. You should not. That should not happen while you're watching a screen at all. I was like, um, but I really hope that every. Uh, I really hope that every charlatan, every American, stays safe and separated for now. Hopefully, this will be over sooner rather than later. But you know, um, just stay safe and and uh, I I. I, I'm going to keep like shooting basketball alone on the basketball court. I hope that's all right with everybody. If I see you coming, I'll walk away or whatever. But just uh, just be safe and know that I'm still going to shoot basketball because I can't go insane. Yes, that's what we, that's what we need. I've, I've been shooting my basketball off the high ceiling in my apartment a couple times because I just need to hold a basketball. Wash your hands. You stay safe. Basketball Jones, man. Basketball Jones. <laughs> see you guys. Peace out.